We're doing villains now, I'm Dracula. Villains. Dracula. Welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast where we talk about all the various films nominated for the MTV Movie Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Craig, a foremost villainy expert. Oh good, you didn't forget what your thing was in our long hiatus. <laughs> and joining with us today, for first member of the four-timer club, soon soon to be five, um, is... Our old pal Ethan, yeah, and popcorn expert Ethan. How how's it going, Ethan? Hi, hi, folks. I don't know that I'm an expert of anything this week because I was just thinking I I like I mean I just joined this call and didn't come prepared with anything, so I don't even remember what all five movies are because we were going to record this many months ago and I watched them then. But now I'm trying to, I can't remember what all five of the movies are. But I'm sure you're about to tell me and then that'll be great. And I can, I can make a ranking quickly in my brain. But I'm happy to be here either way. And so, but I'm just giving everyone a heads up. Don't be, uh, don't be expecting anything great from me this week. I'm, I'm going to just be flying by the seat of my pants. He's, he's saving <laughs> all his juice for like his fifth time on the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It would be funny if we just did not name like the mo- like the movies or actors, and you kind of had to guess from the conversations what we were talking about. <laughs> okay, so I know there's the Chronicles of Narnia, and Batman, and Star Wars, but I truly do not remember what the other two are at all. What of them will be happy about? The other? We'll see. Um. Yeah. So this uh, we are talking best villain 2006, and as Evans alluded to, like yeah. It has been a while since we've last done this. Um, for those of you who are just listening to this most in the future and like just were not there for any of the, of the gaps, what basically happened was uh, Ben and I went to do different jobs for the summer at a summer camp where we had the limited free time we had. We spent watching movies that weren't nominated for awards and also my lab my laptop was broken, which kind of sent us on our hiatus a little earlier than we had planned. So I yeah. think if you to be fair to... though, we did, yeah, we did finish season one of the boys. So we're, we're tra- tracking on that. <laughs> um, and then I also just finished the rest of the boys a couple of days ago. Oh, did you finish the rehearsal yet? I did not. I need to figure out how to log into crave on my, on my uh, phone slash PlayStation again. We'll talk about this off mic. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll get, get you there. Yeah, cause I'm like, oh, I, I'm gonna get to the boys. But um, eh. anyways, yeah. So it's been a while, a bit longer than we planned, and now we're back and definitely remember how to like record the podcast. And everyone watched the movies very recently, and no one is going off their memories from four months ago. But <laughs> I I don't know about you, but I finished all my movies yesterday and the day before. 
Um, so these are fresh in my brain. Um, a lot of let me pull up my letterbox log for yeah for <laughs> revenge of the sith yeah this is a yeah this is a this is a weird week for movies weird to come back to like just a lot of like franchises and like june 4th I, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I definitely watched chronicles of narnia like the second week in may like something like that but or well, it's the third, but yeah, it's a lot of franchises that helps too. Cause then I'm like, Oh, I looked at all those nominees. I'm like, Oh, right. I remember like all of these movies and stuff to yeah, talk about. Them, yeah. But... I remember the reason why I wanted to do this one was because the past few times I've been on, I've intentionally gone for like years with movies that no one's heard of or don't talk about anymore. And I was like, well, I want to actually, cover some heavy hitters for once so movies that everyone knows and and is fond of or at least remembers existing yeah bit of a departure but yeah we'll we'll see if it pays off for you um so getting into it the 2006 mtv awards were held on saturday june 3rd 2006 and were hosted by jessica alba then they broadcasted like two days later jessica alba was also the winner of an award which made her i believe the second host to like win an award the year she hosted with the first time being lindsay lohan who won one in 2004 um the award she won of course was sexiest performance a one-off uh, award um yeah even i don't know if you were there when i pulled these up earlier but ben i'm going to read this list to you so for sexiest <laughs> performance which i feel we're gonna have to cover one day uh, Jessica Alba won for Sin City. Then the other nominees were Beyonce in The Pink Panther, Jessica Simpson in The Dukes of Hazzard, uh, Zhang Zi in Memoirs of a Geisha, um, old pal from like <laughs> yeah, or old pal from like Rush Hour Two. Um, oh yeah. And then Rob Schneider in Deuce Bigelow European <laughs> Gigolo. <laughs> I like. I was also looking at sexiest performance uh, earlier, and. I don't know when, but I've seen the Dukes of Hazards movie, and I assumed it was for this podcast, but it's not anywhere on the list. I must have just watched it one day completely out of my own volition, and I remember not loving it, but maybe that'll change when we come back and uh, come back to it. I doubt it will change that much, but um, who knows? This, of course, was the year that that Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger won Best Kiss for Brokeback Mountain. Um, this was the year we covered Just Friends, <laughs> God. as well as Hustle and Flow, which was like, oh, yeah. that's where we, we learned that Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard are like a Best Kiss power couple, basically. Yeah, like definitely way up there in the in the, the Best Kiss couples department. Yeah. We also watched Sin City, which I really enjoyed even though I don't know if I watched it in the right order or not. <laughs> I'm sure that Just Friends, not to bring it up, not to, to mention it, I'm sure that that you, you that it is a great movie under the best of circumstances. However, when I watched Just Friends, a movie that I hated, I had just, my apartment had just flooded, and they, I was staying in a hotel room, was very angry and upset and it was the only literally the only movie that was playing on 
TV at that point in time, which is uh, seemingly impossible because I'm pretty sure that on TV these days, there's just movies all over the place, but this is the only movie. So I was just watching it scowling and it was a horrible, horrible time. If you feel better, like... you probably wouldn't have liked it in the best of circumstances ever. All right. Yeah, well, it's not it. a not a very good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, uh, Jim Carrey won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I believe this is the first time they coined it the MTV Generation Award, and, or probably something. And Spike Lee got the Silver Bucket of Excellence for Do the Right Thing. Which, I don't even think that was an anniversary year for that movie? Uh, No, it was not. (laughs) This is... But fair enough, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure he probably had a more recent movie they could have given it to, but... And this is the 12th and final consecutive year that Joe Gallen, creator of the MTV Movie Awards, while the idea for the broadcast and director would like produce the show, he would later return in, I think, I believe 2017 and 18, like around the time when they're kind of transitioning TV in. Um, but with all that out of the way, we can probably get a, around to it. Um, so, for Best Villain 2006. The nominees are Tobin Bell, Saw 2. Oh my god! Saw! I forgot! Right, sorry, this was the sorry, other reason Kenny, you wanted sorry. to be on this yeah. episode. That's why I wanted to be here, is for Saw 2, of course. I apologize. Okay, please, go ahead. Uh, Rafe Fiennes, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Cillian yeah, yeah. Murphy, Batman Begins. Tilda Swinton, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the winner is Hayden Christensen, Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So, Ethan, I think Ben and I talked about this like a, a bit before, but what is your stance on the Star Wars prequels? Um, you know, I am I I just don't have I think the problem is that I don't like Star Wars enough to like those movies. Like I, I understand why people I hate the term reclaimed at this point, but like, I understand why people have, have come back to them and, and, and watch them a thousand times. Cause they watch them a bunch of kids and love star Wars and love being in those worlds and everything. Like I obviously get that. Um, but I don't care enough about star Wars, like in the grand scheme of things to enjoy watching them very much <laughs> um like i'm not watching i'm not watching the tv shows you know like i don't actually care about the the worlds that they're in i really just enjoy about half of the movies um and revenge of the sith back in june was the second time i had ever seen that movie i'd only seen it once as a kid it didn't like it then and i was like 10 i guess um and but i rewatched it i think it's okay um my favorite of the of the prequels is probably Phantom Menace. I just there, but in general, I'm I'm kind of out on those movies. Interesting, yeah. Um, to kind of re or re go through my thing, I saw Phantom Menace in theaters when I was like six years old. Could not follow anything that was happening, but like enjoyed mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, and then kind of, and then eventually. As I grew up, there's a point where, like, I'm like, oh, 
a lot of the stuff in like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones was kind of like che- yeah, cheesy and bad and not in ways that I yeah, find like that, that enjoyable. And then Revenge of the Sith for a while, I'm like, yeah, that, that's a solid one. And then there was a time like I had watched it and I'm like, oh man, there's so much CGI. This looks like a video game. No, I can't, I can't do this one either. But yep. then rewatching this time, cause we watched Phantom Menace and I'm like, you know what? The stuff I enjoy about this, I still kind of like enjoy, even if there's other stuff that doesn't hold up. So then I'm like, maybe this will be my effort at uh, rediscovering my like of the prequels. Could not quite do it with Phantom Menace. Could not quite do it with Attack of the Clones, but this one I'm like, yeah, it kind of brought me back around to it. And Ben, you have never seen like you had never seen the prequels or no, not before we started the podcast. Did you um, watch Attack the... of the Clones? I did. I watched it like right before our big hiatus, like right before camp. Oh, um, I remember I didn't love it. Um, it's definitely the one I like the least. I feel like that's not really controversial. I feel like the Attack of the Clones is, I think, general consensus-ish, the weakest of the original trilogy, or the prequel trilogy. Um, I um, know people who would strongly disagree with that assessment. Well, okay. But yes, in... Well, At least that's how I feel. In in uh, most circles, though, you are <laughs> correct, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There, I, it has its defenders, and I love and appreciate them. Um, it's just like, yeah. I think I, I said it about the Phantom Menace and I, I, I my my thought rekindled while watching this one where I'm like these are really fun movies if you pretend that they're not Star Wars and they're just like a cheesy space movie from like early 2000s or 90s and you just pretend like they're just something not part of this giant monolith franchise and you end up just seeing something really goofy and fun um also like these I, I think these movies, like, someone go get them a chiropractor because the amount of ca- weight carrying that Ewan McGregor does for these movies is insane. Like, he's the reason I push through them because uh, he's just, he's acting his tuchus off. Um, and I really, I really do appreciate it. Uh, this movie started out really good. Um, it got kind of a little bit boring towards the middle. But had some pretty funny scenes, mainly kind of because of like the prequel memes that I now know. You're like, um, Haha, he's killing all the children. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was about to say that's. I think it's the only note I have for this movie. It was very sparse note taking this time around uh, for all of these movies. But I think the only note I have is that um, for Star Wars is just that we don't get a lot of child slaughterers. So mm-hmm. that's like a, that's a tick in the villain box. Um, Will it make up for his performance? Who knows? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say. Have any oh. you? Have, is it? Has anyone watched Obi Wan Kenobi? Like, I have. What is? He's in that, right? Yes, it's Hayden him. Christensen? It's him. Retur- yeah, Hayden Christensen freezes his role in flashbacks, and then in the finale, the mask breaks a bit, and it is clearly like him, kind of in the suit, like. Okay. Is he good in that show? Um, yeah. Maybe that's I, a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I think he is, like, Obi-Wan itself, I would say the show is not ve- not very good. It was, I mean, I didn't hate it, but it's it's just something later I put on, and then kind of be like, yeah, sure, I'll 
watch this for another 40 minutes or whatever but mm-hmm. like yeah it i think it's in yeah it's interesting um hayden christensen is someone who like i think i've tried to be a bit more or i try to be a bit more charitable to him and like watching through these and i think it is a role that i feel would be difficult for most actors to like pull off just kind of how it's written and the stuff he has to do like anyone can come across as just like weirdly petulant and i do think this is maybe his best performance as kind of anakin here um is it good performance who's to say well i mean we are actually yeah that's good good enough or like it did not it never t- takes me out of it. Um, I think, like, he's not great in everything, but, like, by the time he's doing, like, the final fight stuff, I think he's, like, really strong in that when he's, like, fully off the deep end. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, like, the silliest Anakin-related moment is, not doesn't even really involve him. It is, of course, the classic thing when Darth Vader shouts, No! Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a very important, yeah. <clears throat> a very important scene, I think. Yeah, exactly. That adds a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is really tough because, like, he's probably the second most entertaining thing about these movies for me is that his delivery falls a little flat, but it's funny in a way. I I kind of like it. I like especially that he's like he's paired with with mcgregor like the one who is doing like i think the best in my opinion and so when the two of them interact and just like the the chasms of difference between line delivery are just insane um and you know i i I don't know who like if it is it seems like a difficult role i feel like there was a lot to live up to because i feel like darth vader was this like well is still this like super big icon and you kind of have to play this character that sort of has to become that. And I feel like, I also feel like it's not his fault. Sometimes lines are just not written the best too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like, I feel like maybe given like some better, like, like words to say, I feel like how, how well can you really say, well, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil in like a big fight like how well can you truly deliver that that magnum opus of dialogue um (laughs) i think i think i like him more as a villain i guess than as a protagonist and certainly as a romantic interest for natalie portman um but it, it it is as you say it's a very impossible ask to um to basically sell the transition into probably the most famous villain of all time like if you pulled 100 people on the street name a movie villain like i think half of them would say darth vader probably like like it just is the iconography of a villain is darth vader and if you have to convince us to start that you are like a likable guy who's just kind of got some problems 
in Attack of the Clones or whatever, and that you are, you know, in love with this 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 woman, and then you have to sell the descent into it while being on a giant green screen set and you know dealing with George Lucas's dialogue and direction in you know 2000 and whatever it is I think just impossible to pull off um I don't like this performance I thought maybe this time around I would come around on it but no I'm afraid it is uh not not great in my opinion um but I understand why it matters to people i can see why people would view this as being like operatic in a way you know like it's all very elemental but for me just the actual substance of what is on screen and being portrayed is not enough for me i think it just is not very good sure i'll say it is surprising that this one because obviously in recent years especially as uh, kind of sequels to and entries to like big IPs have gotten more like formulaic and more dependent on fan service and all, all these things, which I think also partly went to where I'm like I can appreciate that these prequels are at least not like you you know like a Rise of Skywalker esque well, I guess oh look how important everything is look at all these like callbacks look at like this or whatever but. At the time, it was kind of a thing where, like, the prequel reputation was pretty much, uh, just, they're doing these, and even this one, which I think was, like, the best received, like, still at a level where I'm like, wow, I can't believe Hayden Christensen, like, won, won this over, I don't know, I guess, oh, I guess I would have assumed that Tob- Tobin Bell would have won just because Saw was huge at the time, but, yeah, it's interesting, like, Look into a world where you can win, and yeah, I guess yeah. If we're looking at like villain actions through objectively evil, like killing kids, I think is the worst thing. Yeah, I don't know if we have like any. I'm trying to think if we have any other child murderers. Like we have like child attempted murderers. Like last uh, last episode with uh, Jim Carrey as Count Olaf. I mean, Voldemort um, is a attempted child murderer. Yeah, also yeah, a Voldemort succeeding well. child murderer. Oh, there right. Yes, he does in fact kill yeah a child. <laughs> well, a minor. Um, Tilda Swinton tries to do it in this one, uh-huh. but, like, and yeah. she does kill a Jesus analog. So that's also yeah. True. But <laughs> the but still, first time in my life that I ever experienced nostalgia, I was. 14 years old and i was watching the movie boyhood and there was there's a scene where boyhood kid is uh like six or like is like eight years old maybe and he's in he's in austin texas which is where i would have been in like 2006 and he's hanging out with some with some fellas and they're arguing about the prequels the star wars prequels and that was the first time in my life at 14 i was like wow this is like what I did when I was a kid. I understand why everyone loves these 80s flashback movies that everyone's making nowadays. I understand why Ready Player One is so huge. I I get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Because it was a huge deal for, for all young people at the time. Like that was 
the culture was talking about Star Wars and in many ways it still is. Um, so I guess that's probably why it won just because it was the most ubiquitous movie on the planet at that point in time. Yeah, and I guess this is the one I remember it was a big deal because it's like, okay, you've seen him as a kid, you've seen him hate the sand, now here he is going to become Darth Vader. Like, this is what yeah, everyone the teaser, had been waiting for. The teaser trailer was just the breathing, right? Just Darth Vader, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, fair I, enough. Like, I know there was anticipation for, like, okay, what what's going to happen? And actually... I remember several years back, I bought, like, a Return of the Jedi, like, kind of junior novelization from the 80s from, like, a thrift store, and was reading it, and the beginning does, in fact, include, like, a flashback to, like, I don't know if they named it Mustafar, but, like, it has enough stuff where you're like, oh, okay, by this point, George Lucas did kind of have it in his head that they have a big battle on a lava planet, and he gets burned. So, clearly, like, as much as you... Sometimes when George is like, oh, yeah... I planned all the pre all the movies out from like the beginning. It's easy to go okay, but there are some details where you're like, all right, he has had this in his head for like a very long time. Um, I and- just learned that when Empire Strikes Back came out in the theater, it said Episode Five in front of it, like in the opening crawl, which I guess makes sense because that's what everyone always knows it as. But in my mind, I, I I thought all of that came later, whenever he announced he was doing the first three. But I guess he just he was just like, no, yeah, I, this is all part of a great big story, and and jokes on you, kids in 1980. This is actually episode five. Like like, and there was no internet back then, right? So like, be you'd be confused <laughs> about what the uh, the like someone was talking about on some podcast. I don't remember what it was, but they were like, when I was when I was. Again, I saw it in the theater. I was like, did I miss three movies in between? Because there was no there was no one talking about that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. As a as a kid who was a kid, like mm-hmm. after everything had already been sorted and everything had already been out, it was definitely confusing. And because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so one is four. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, okay, so we just told it like they just told it like out of order. And in my head, in my head, I was like, oh, but it all like makes sense. So it would make the most sense to watch them all in order, which is probably not true. Um, I feel like you'd get so much whiplash going from this to a new hope uh, just because they're just they're just so much their feelings of these movies are like they're different enough to feel really weird. Um. (laughs) You know, every now and then you'll uh, like I'll meet somebody who's like a huge Star Wars fan and they're like. My girlfriend's never seen Star Wars, so we're going to start watching them soon. She's agreed to start watching them soon, and we're going to start with Phantom Menace and go through one through nine. And every Or like people say that on the internet all the time, too. And I'm just like, what are you doing? That is the worst way to introduce someone to, to Star Wars, to start with Phantom Menace, be like, okay, that that you just saw is nothing like any of the others and we're gonna watch two more that are are pretty weird movies and then we're gonna go it's gonna look a lot different we're gonna go back in time to the 80s and you're gonna you're hopefully will like those i don't know and then we're gonna go very far ahead i just think that that any anyone who goes outside of chronological order is 
Like, I mean, if you want to do that after you've seen them, that's fine. But like for the first time watching, introducing someone to them that way is psychotic to me. Yeah, by the time they get by the time they get to a new hope, there's like, where's all the Senate meetings and, mm-hmm. and diplomacy and 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 weird like like giant uh background, you know, conflict and power accusi- acquisition. Like <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's yeah, it's definitely a film where like Oh yeah, like you said, unless you have, like, if you've seen all the Star Wars, by all means, go in chronological order. Otherwise, just start with the originals and just go from there. But I do remember when I, because of course, my first exposure to Star Wars as a kid was through the Super Nintendo video game Super Star Wars, um, which, yeah, and I believe that had, like, the numbers on it, and then I think it was, like, pre-Phantom Menace coming out, but I remember, again, I was like, four or five, I'm very confused as I was going, I'm like, so, wait, so I'm like, like, so these are like four, five, and six, but one to three don't exist, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, huh? Just, <laughs> and then, yeah, like, was a, was a big thing for me, and then I got more confusing when I watched Star Wars, and I'm like, why isn't there a series of boss fights against, like, monsters and stuff? <laughs> why isn't he fighting the, like, Jawas? Like, just, um, but. You've unlocked a memory for me because when I was a kid, um, I was not allowed to watch Revenge of the Sith because it was considered too scary for like a six-year-old or whatever, right? Which is fair. Totally fair. Um, But I did have the Lego Star Wars video game, so I knew the entire plot of the movie just without any dialogue because I had played that that game so much as a kid. It was one of like three games I had. So I played it over and over and over again. And then eventually when I did watch the movie i was like 10 and i was like this is this is lame this like, why are they talking the... yeah exactly <laughs> why <laughs> are took... they people <laughs> this took five times as long and it's no it is none of the the humor that that i loved what's going on <laughs> <laughs> they took the soul out of star wars yeah <laughs> i'll say i do remember like seeing seeing this movie and thing i was most looking forward to was the character general grievous who mm-hmm. like when you're a kid you're like all right here's yeah, here's the cool new villain it's like it's not like an old guy like the last one it's like a robot and he has four arms and he has like four lightsabers and then they kind of had the original clone wars cartoon at the time and you're like wow he looks like really menacing and cool and then you watch the film and you're like oh okay this is just kind of like a sort of comic relief character who's like just coughing and like cowardly it's like ah uh, like it's just he's a big doofus yeah 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 i remember as a kid i thought he was a robot i didn't know he was a a dude like an actual person mm-hmm. <laughs> like a soul he is one of those uh-huh. like is he in is he in any of the tv shows or anything um, i assume so um, probably he, he's like not the live the action days. ones but i i know oh, not I, yet not yet i know <laughs> the cgi clone wars do a bit better by him eventually i have yet to find the desire to like go through the cgi clone wars to watch what are supposed to be the good parts of that series well this is one of those things where where star wars fans love to talk about how much they adore george lucas and his like vision and then they completely like bastardize it in their heads with how they they picture it like well general grievous is super cool and intense so like when we make the new stuff the new tv shows he's got to be really cool and badass or whatever it's like no george just thought it would be funny if there was like a coughing robot guy (laughs) like like people just people want to to be 
like Lucasites, but ignore what he what these movies actually are, which are very boring and very silly at the same time. <laughs> you know, they're not <laughs> really uh, that. I think um, they're not high drama in the way that people want them to be, which is okay. It's okay. They're movies for kids, and that's what George wanted them to be, and that's fine. But you know, I'll just like, well, well, Darth Maul is awesome, so we should have him be around, even though he's had his entire body like destroyed. You know, it just is. It's, yeah, I I get so exhausted by Star Wars fans. When Darth Maul appears at the end of Solo, I remember just saying that, and like, because I knew he came back in the cartoons and he popped up, and I'm like, oh, is this what we're doing? Huh? Like, I just assumed it was like a one of Maul's like race, like one of his like alien species at the end of Solo. <laughs> so you had never seen the prequels, but you had seen Solo. I had seen Solo. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not an idiot. Of course. Yeah, not a fool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no do more we, thoughts on Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I was about to say, do we have any more <laughs> any more final thoughts on uh, either Star Wars or Revenge of the Sith? The final fight is, like, really cool, even if it does remain silly to go, don't, I have the high ground. Like, sure. Great video game I also level. can't pretend that I haven't gone around for life going, but I have the high ground. Like, Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Oh, the the things, the exchanges they have in that fight are so funny. <laughs> um I don't know what it is. I I think lightsaber fights are usually kind of lame because they usually follow one or two motions. Uh, you really, I feel like you have to try very hard to make it very interesting because like it's just a lot of like clashes because you can't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe reposts are just hard to like read when it's lightsabers. But like whenever they were talking, I was like, super engaged in that fight, and like the set piece itself is really really good. Yeah, you're like, of course, this is all that's needed. Fire. <laughs> yeah you're like when are the but then you're like when are they gonna pull out a gun just yeah exactly <laughs> when are they just gonna fight with their fists yeah. um but yeah with that i think we can move on to saw two um... yes thank you thank you so much thank you yeah so i, I did watch saw one at the same time as i watched episode two of star wars and okay. i thought it was i thought it was pretty neat you mean you uh, had them both going at the same time? Exactly. One one playing. One in one ear, one in the other. Um, <laughs> I can't more tell if you're way. joking or not. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably never done that for this podcast. You have multiple monitors. Like, I yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, no. So like the first, yeah, the first Saw movie is like pretty interesting. It's like a yes. it's very novel. It's very like... It feels very, um, like, because I think the the trap itself just takes place in that one room. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like there's a a YouTube video that I frequent every once in a while where a guy just sort of reviews all of the Saw movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I made sure not to watch that, like, for a good good couple months before, because I knew I'd be talking (laughs) about it. But the one thing I do remember them saying was that, like, Saw 2 is kind of the worst one because it's not like a good novel neat thing like the first one, but it's not as like batshit insane as the later ones end up being. So it's just kind of somewhere in the middle. 
I mean, I would disagree entirely, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I have not seen the other Saw movies, so like this, this still stands to be my second favorite Saw movie. So sure. I actually don't, I don't know how it stacks up against the other ones. I mean, I do prefer the first one, but I think it's yeah. a very different type of movie. Um, it is. It's very, very different. Yeah, this one the, is. Yeah, the first one is like more of a mystery, and then it's like more of a thriller, and it's constructed, and then this one is, yeah, effectively kind of like a haunted house movie except instead mm-hmm. of ghosts it's like traps just... yeah. yeah yeah kenny what is your relationship to the saw franchise yeah so the similar to ben like i had not seen seen these ones um i've talked about this a bit but like when i but around the time when these movies were coming out and i was like 12 or whatever i wasn't really allowed to watch much horror films and then I also do not have much of an interest because I'm like, well, horror films are going to be like scary. And mm-hmm. that's kind of before I've now got to a point in my life where I am familiar enough with like the rhythms of these movies where it takes something like, say, a bunch of long takes. And then you're kind of just waiting for the tension for a lion to show up for like one of them to actually get me to like jump <laughs> a bit. Yeah. Um, there's an allusion to a recent movie, Ben. You'll have seen that. I know you've been but yeah, but like nope. But, but yeah, so Saw was like cutting kind of those things, and then as I was like not watching these movies, but they kept making them. I remember just kind of going into a thing where I'm like, ah, do we really need to keep making Saw movies, especially around the time when they're like the final chapter, the final yeah. chapter, the final chapter for about three years in a row of advertisements <laughs> for like Saw films. Well, it's Halloween. It must be Saw. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it was, oh, Halloween must be paranormal activity or whatever. But like, <laughs> so like I was kind of like cynical about these, and then you know just a lot of stuff I'd heard before were like, oh yeah, the first one's good, and then they devolve into like torture porn or whatever, and which for all I know could be like true, true. But yeah, then I watched the first Saw, and I watched it around the time when like I watched like The Ring for the first time, and it was one mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh wow, this is really cool, this is really good, like it's yeah i love the construction and then i watched this one and was surprised or i found that i mean obviously it's not as good as like the first saw and but i did kind of like yeah and does sort of that thing where not a lot of people actually die in the first saw is my memory of this so of course this one has like up the body count but it's yeah it's definitely like it feels like a step down, but in a way that's still really entertaining and a way I like find find fun. I did kind of enjoy the like twist with the Amanda character and yeah, you know, Johnny Wahlberg's no Mark, but at least he has like a really good scene partner for a lot of his stuff. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he becomes the lead of the next, like, four movies, which is insane <laughs> to put it all on the back of Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, uh... yeah I, I was not watching Saw movies when they came out because I was a kid. And if my parents wouldn't let me watch Revenge of the Sin, they definitely were not letting me watch the Saw films. Um, but they were, are, like playground legend you know like you'd be at recess and some like someone whose parents clearly do not monitor what what media their children consume and be like have you seen saw 
it's the sickest thing in the world. It's unbelievable. And like that space, I think eventually gets taken by like human centipede or whatever. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's just one of those things you hear about. So you're like in your head, in your head as a kid, you're like, this must be the most disturbing movies that have ever been made. Like this has to be the bottom of human depravity. And then you watch them and you're like, oh, no, these are very ridiculous. <laughs> like, they are yeah. extremely silly. They, they are like, it is the, I feel like there are movies that could get me feeling very uncomfortable, um, but in like very subtle and mm-hmm. sort of awful ways. And this movie just sort of like beelines it to that. I think that I, I'll have to give the movie credit where credit is due when that one person gets thrown into like the pile of needles. Yeah. Horrible. That's like. That's the most I've like cringed and winced and like felt horrible watching a yeah. movie in a very long time. Yeah. Um. And like, that's the point, and they achieved it because I I I never got a single feeling like that during Saw One. Mm-hmm. Like everything in Saw One is like much more toned down, and like yeah, like yeah, and like nothing. Yeah, like this movie definitely has a lot more like, eesh scenes which i, I is recommend kind of... the first saw to anybody you know yeah. i think even if you're not a horror fan there's not that much gore in it really uh you can close your eyes for the the reverse bear trap i guess but otherwise like it's 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 normal it's just it's like a really tense thriller i think and a very well written script and it's very taut i think very fun movie um anyone i truly really believe anyone can enjoy the first saw this movie you gotta i think be into silly horror movies to to have fun with but i am very much into silly horror movies and i think this movie is just terrific it's my second favorite saw movie um which is not that hard because after saw three they stop being good but they're still fun to watch (laughs) but they definitely uh are more just just insane than they are uh actually functioning <laughs> as films but this one is, is just it's so good it's it's like what okay so we take the concept from the first one everyone knows jigsaw we all love jigsaw well what if um we instead of one room it's a whole house and instead of like one cop it's like a bunch of cops and they're both working at the same time and we we now we know who jigsaw is so he gets to be front and center and he gets to give a great a very fun performance and just the cutting back and forth is so fun i just i love i love i just love the as as kenny put it the haunted house aspect of it the escape room just um just what are they going to think of next kind of thing and i love i love the interplay between the insane characters in the haunted house it's just is the the, everyone's dialed up to 11 and they're not any of them are really good actors that much so they're just sort of yelling at each other and tensions are very high and it's like well what would you do if you were in this situation yeah it's just it's it's just it's just i've seen it a few times and it is an incredibly fun experience every time yeah yeah i enjoyed this i mean i will say for like elaborate trap horror i think Nothing's ever going to, like, trump the kind of Final Destination movies for me, but, like, for stuff that's a bit more human and not just, like, crazy Rube Goldberg machine-like shit, like, yeah, I, I'm, there was something where I finished Saw 3 and I'm like, I could probably watch, like, the rest of these at some point. Um, but, First three are all good. After yeah. that, it, you, you have to stretch a little bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Spiral's good. Spiral's good. Oh, yeah. I had seen Spiral mm. before, before I had seen Saw. Um... Totally fair. Yeah, yeah I'm, um, more of a, I'm more of a the cube guy. I'll say... So I... Oh, sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Having seen Saw 3 also, because, like, obviously Tobin Bell's really good in this, and I think Saw 3 is the one where, like, um, yeah, I don't want to give much away for Ben, but, like, there's something about his performance in that where, like, he's definitely not as mobile as he is in this one, but you're still like, yeah, yeah, I can see why I nominated him for this. Like, even... He's, like, a very strong presence. <laughs> he is so good in this movie. I love his... I, I love every time they cut to him and, and Donnie, and, and Donnie's just, like, screaming at him, like, what are you talking about, man? We gotta figure this out! And he's just like, buddy, hey, you you don't understand. You're... You don't take life for what it's worth. And I'm working on something very important here. And you will understand. You will see through everything. And Donnie's just like, what are you talking Shut up. Where's my kid? It's just the, the the interaction between them is so funny to me. I, I love it. I love it. And I love the reveal at the end of the kid being in the safe. And he said he was in a safe place the whole time. Just anytime the, the Saw theme kicks in, it's like the best possible special effect you can have in a movie. It just like, it, it amplifies everything that's going on. And it, it it's, it's incredible. It, it saw is just so good. It's so fun. So fun. I love saw. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess I'm the right person to ask technically. Cause I literally watched this yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. But correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a lot of jigsaw in this movie, like the puppet. No. I think it's just like the first scene, and then for the rest of it, you're kind of just getting like them running around the house and like yeah. and uh, and Tobin. Like, yeah. yeah, so there's not a lot of him. Yeah, um, my assumption I really do... is the puppet becomes more important in the later ones. Is yeah, that... it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> good it's, reason. <laughs> yeah, it might be one of those things where yeah, for for good reasons. Yeah, uh, um, I don't know how much you know about what's gonna happen in Saw Three, Ben, but it's. <laughs> interesting i vaguely remember i remember it's insane i remember it's silly but i don't remember the specifics so i'll be pleasantly surprised next time around oh so so saw three was nominated for villain as well yes yeah that's sick that's good i like that um in that one tobin bell lost to jack nicholson in the departed which sure makes more sense than him losing the hayden christensen and this yeah 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 please please tobin bell can deliver a line and i <laughs> and listening to what he's saying and not thinking about a thousand other things <laughs> and then going wait what did he say why did he say that that's insane <laughs> um yeah saw two uh really all i i like the haunted house stuff but the the the, the jigsaw stuff in particular i think is the strength of that movie and is the height of that side of saw for the rest of the franchise in my opinion the the crime procedure that for whatever procedural that for whatever reason they want to shoehorn into every saw movie i think is at its best here um while they're all trying to figure it out and like the cameras reveal that they're that they're not live and all sorts of just oh so fun um uh i know that kenny you were raised on some um christian media in your life were you a seventh heaven household? No. Yeah. That one, yeah, that one I did not see as much. I feel, yeah, it, you know, 
was on cable, which we did not always have. Also, I feel once, like, I think even though it was, like, a Christian show, like, maybe it was something where I was like, oh, I might be a bit too young, young for that, but... Oh, sure. It, the, the, it's song. actually morally depraved as a show, I think. Um, it was my sister's favorite show when, when we were kids. So we watched it all the time. And since then, we've we've come back to it and uh, and have have um, really, really discovered just what media we were consuming as children and what kind of lessons it was it was communicating. It just is. It's a. Uh, it's a very it's a very interesting show, but uh, Beverly Mitchell, who is the most annoying character in Seventh Heaven, she plays Lucy. Uh, she's in Saw Two, which is a big deal because it was like the you know the the Jesus girl was in the uh, the, the slasher movie. Um, she's the blonde woman who um, I'm trying to remember what her thing is because everyone's got like a thing. Um, I think she's just the annoying one. <laughs> she's not not the addict, but the other girl. Um, and she is bad in this movie, I think. <laughs> That's what I, uh, but it's just it's crazy to watch this person that I grew up with as, as a wholesome, uh, uh, you know, character on this religious-esque television show being put through jigsaw traps. And I think it's... Uh, they should do it more often. It's a fun, it's a fun concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'm trying yeah, to think. No. I'm like my main, the main Christian media thing I watch is just Veggie Tales. I'm like, what if Veggie Tales had did like a Saw thing? Just <laughs> that'd be good. That would I be remember. Good. I remember. It's so this. I guess this is uh, because when I grew, I grew up right around when YouTube was popping off, and I actually did watch mm. a thing called Saw House. Which okay. was this just very, very poorly made, just like parody of like Big Brother and Saw made by just some guys. Um, and I remember thinking it was like the funniest thing ever. Um, I have not watched it since. There's probably content in there I don't agree with, I'm assuming. Well, uh, a YouTube video right from on... like 2008? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there are offensive stereotypes or jokes that just went right over my head as a kid that are probably horrible now. But I do remember him in the mask, in the jigsaw mask, biking down the hallway and then just like falling. Um, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just, that, that's my... That's the my, puppet uh, is funny, in my opinion. I just, he makes me laugh every puppet. time he rolls he's a, up. <laughs> he's a goofy looking puppet. He's very, very silly looking. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know this um yeah this movie i i thought it was neat i, I this was like a very weird week coming back because i'm coming back to movies sure. um after two whole months and i i feel like i came back on such a weird week because it's just a bunch of franchises and sequels and like mm-hmm. there was like there's very little to like there's very little new to chew on which is what i feel like i was craving that yeah um but like i feel like this one it's definitely not bad but it doesn't really i feel like i like the first one much more than i like this one and like i think it comes down to i think they're like i think there's just too much of everything and i get why they're doing that because it's a sequel to us to a slasher or horror movie so you gotta be like bigger and better but like i feel like there's like too many people in the house the house just feels too big i don't know why that makes it makes it less scary in my head because it feels like there's always another room um but it's not like 
it's not like that, that very much becomes a problem with the with the yeah as it goes on. I, I feel like they I really like, run out of ideas quickly yeah i feel like i feel like a lot of the the pull of like the first one is that that room is like very claustrophobic it's like it's sterile but filthy at the same mm-hmm. time and i feel like the house just the house just seemed like like a like it felt like a haunted house but in like a like a weird carnival cheap haunted house where like um, but I, I agree with you guys though. I do I do love a good like I do love a good like oh cutting back between two scenes but they're not taking place at the same time. Um like yeah, when they're figuring out that like the feeds are like not in time and he's running there and you kinda you're slowly picking up on it. And that I love scenes like that. I love sort of like things that you think are about to like two climaxes that you think are about to match, but then there's just nothing there. It was it was done in like an hour ago. Like they're not and the there saw anymore. thing kicks kicks in. It's just yeah. it's so cool. It's so, so cool. good. It's it always so hits. Good. It hits. My favorite saw trap from a later movie is Donnie Wahlberg has been investigating the saw murders for like the fourth time, and he uh, he wakes up. He's been like like you know knocked out, and he wakes up and he's in a noose, and he's standing on. A giant block of ice and he's just slip sliding around on this ice and it's like you gotta figure out how to get out of this noose before the ice melts it's gonna take a while and it, it's very slippery <laughs> it's just as if, like by that point they truly were completely out of ideas they're just like i don't know a big block of ice why why not <laughs> like like they so far away from the, the creativity of like the reverse bear trap um but with with the Saw franchise, if you like crazy reveals and and uh, and very elaborate plots, then you will like the Saw sequels as they go forward. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I think the reveals on this one, there is partly where I'm like, oh, they're really just trying to get on the energy of of one where you're like, oh, these guys know each other. Like the way one like parses everything out all the way leading up to like when jigsaw just gets up from the floor is so good and one of my so, favorite moments in any movie yeah i love that yeah and this one certainly is like not as impactful as you said the moment where like he shows up and it turns out the feeds aren't live they're really good and i did kind of like the angle when you slowly realize you're like oh these are all people he's kind of put away and then his son is also there like mm-hmm. in the room with them the whole time i love that yeah um, do we have yeah. any more saw things? Um, again, I'm the one who's seen it the most recently, so I feel like I should probably know. But like, I noticed on the poster, it's like two fingers because mm-hmm. it's a two. Yeah. There wasn't really any like finger based traps, like cut off a finger, put it in this jar, and I'll let you go. Sure. Like, it's just it's a very. I understand why they do it because it looks creepy, but like. I don't know. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of finger action in the Saw Two. You know, I feel like when you I'll make a poster it, like I'm that, glad. you wanted more finger action. <laughs> I wanted more finger action out of my Saw movie. I wanted yeah. a trap where you stick your finger in like a pencil sharpener or something for thirty <laughs> seconds, and then it'll let you go. Um, <laughs> I thought you were about to invent the idea of the finger trap. this contraption where you you place both your index fingers in on each side and then you'll you'll be you'll be awestruck and with the crushing realization that when you pull them apart they don't come apart (laughs) and then a block of ice is there you have to slip on it (laughs) 
But yeah, with that, I think we can move on to Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, yeah, and the return, brief return of yeah. our old pal Robert Pattinson as yeah. Cedric Diggory. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I was about to watch it, and uh, I was messaging uh, Wendy, and she's like, "Oh, the worst one." And I was like, "Why did you tell me that?" I could I could have gone into this and maybe it would have been my favorite but the entire time I'm watching it I'm like this is the worst one and it wasn't very it wasn't the best um <laughs> it was my least favorite for a long time but now it's only my second to least favorite so hey that's an improvement I yeah. I did uh I cuz I uh cuz when talking to her, I also realized that I probably watched the Harry Potter movies in the worst order possible. Mm-hmm. I think like it was like with five. Well, no, I think I started with one. I think I watched one, two, then five, then <laughs> seven, part one, and and then six, and then seven, part two, and then mm-hmm. I don't know when I watched three, but three was there, and then this one. <laughs> yeah. So I I finally seen them all, but in no way shape or form the right order and this is yeah that, that this is handily not one you want to finish on this is my way. final <laughs> yeah. harry potter movie i'm never gonna watch another one of these unless i have to we yeah. do um. have to talk about six and seven part one again <laughs> tom tom felton won back-to-back years what a king <laughs> yeah i'll say my hot take with the harry potter films and one i don't know if i stand by it but I have never been a big fan of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the film that most people will cite as, oh, this is the best one because it was made by, like, a real filmmaker, and oh, and all this, it's a movie that, it's kind of the first time where they really run up with the thing of, oh, we have to cut stuff out from the books, and the stuff they get in the habit of cutting in, like, three, it is the Quidditch is some of the most interesting stuff I find in the books, which is just, here's the slice of life of being at a wizard school to, like, focus on more plot-related things, and just, like, a a standard I don't think is is great, and then other stuff in third, like, I think it's there, so I've always firmly thought, like, third was, like, three wasn't that good, and then four, which I... I also, I am fairly certain this is the only Harry Potter I I just miss seeing in theaters because it was back before I could just go see like movies by myself and I think my dad just was never free and it just kind of became a VHS one. But I'll say this does contain, I think, one of my favorite moments in the franchise just for how like heightened and operatic and crazy it is, is in the scene where uh, Harry is looking for kind of the penisive and he's sort of watching the flashback of like the tri- of the trial where um g- where good old like Strum is that the ger- the Germstrang guy or Germstrang guy is like kind of out there and he is naming names to like get yeah to get free and just and just the thing where like he's like naming names and they're like no we we know these names they're all clear it's like lucius malfoy nah he's a good guy he's like snape nah it's covered and then he's like oh there's one more and just like the thing where like the camera goes in as he's like 
Barty Crouch! And then it's like five seconds of everyone going, oh, as like Barty Crouch is just staring, and it's like, Junior! Just, <laughs> it's such a good moment for me. And like one where I'm like, yeah! So, I gotta say, I, like, I can never say, think, oh yeah, this is the worst one, because I always just remember that scene, which I'm sure is more energy than almost anything else in this movie, but is still one where I'm like, like, I, I love it every time. I'm always like, wow, even though, like, I have read the books and know he's supposed to say Barty Crouch Jr., but, like, <laughs> a character they also have not established at all. Yeah, yeah. It's which like, even <laughs> funnier, because... If you ever like read a... the books, you're like, what? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> you're like, there's no way Barty Crouch is, like, the big name he names, because we've seen him in the present timeline. Or have we? But, like... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, there is some crazy stuff in in this movie. Um, yeah, the Yule Ball sequence is ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, Brendan Gleeson's performance band. as Mad Eye Moody as well is like one I like a lot. Just really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will like, say, I'm not a fan of this movie. I do think that Ray Fiennes is very good in it. I think it's a very it's a it's, it's a very dramatic shift for the series, and I think that he is routinely great as voldemort i think he's very um as is a really good presence um very like balletic in his movements and everything which i always find very interesting wait define that word i don't know what that word means he's like he's like he's like a dancer you know yeah um very light on his feet yeah Um, i always forget i mean because i watch these out of order and like forget them the second they're not on screen i always whenever i think of voldemort i always like i always think he's like this very stoic like very like um almost just like um just like like snape kind of almost but like he's not he's like yeah he's kind of like a he's almost he's almost a bit bubbly like he's very like and i i really like that i really should watch these movies in order and like like the full appreciation <laughs> of his character and not bouncing around like a pinball watching random ones yeah i mean it's a huge ask is like Obviously, in 2006, there was nothing in the world bigger than Harry Potter, and everyone had read all the books, and Voldemort's this huge deal, and he, uh, you know, it's it's a big ask to to bring that to the screen, and I think that he really makes an iconic character with it. I think it's a great, a great performance, and he's, even with all those dots on his face to make him have a snake nose, you know, like, it just, it it's really cool. It's a great, it's a great I think the last like 20 minutes of this movie is handily leagues better than the rest of it um, and uh, is really elevates the movie to like a, 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 a soft three in my mind. Because I'm like, OK, well, the ending is really cool and finds is great and continues to be great for the rest of the movies. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of sad that this got like a best villain nod, but like the villains not in it for like most of it. Um, and I don't know if you could tell because of the fact that I didn't know or I didn't know that it was Scarecrow and not Ra's al Ghul, but I had not looked at the list like before I watched these movies. Like the last time I looked at it was like two months ago. Um, I just have had these movies kind of just like sitting there just like, and I forgot who was the actual villain. So I was like, I was like scouting. I was like trying to see like who the villain's going to be in this movie. This is like, the MTV Movie Awards equivalent of when Judy Dench got an Oscar for being in a movie for like eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were like, "Oh, is it going to be the dragon? Is it going to be the mermaid? Is it going to be Ron?" Like it's. Like, 
Is it going to be Scarecrow? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one soon, but yeah, I'll agree that, like, Fines definitely, like, brings a lot to the role of Voldemort, obviously. The way the books are structured, where kind of the first three of them are building up to, like, this moment, the, or the first half of the series builds up to the return of Voldemort, and then the movies kind of, like, do that as well, where by this time you've heard so much about the guy, and, um, I I think the design on him is really cool. Like, as someone who did read these books before there were movies where I never had that much of a, like, thought of, oh, what Voldemort should look like, and then when yeah. it's, like, kind of deform, like, just kind of deform, otherworldly looking, like, Snake Man, I'm like, yeah, no, this works, this fits, like... Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, um, I think that the graveyard sequence is really cool. the The death of Cedric Diggory is, of course, a very big deal. And that scene where they come back from the uh, the the graveyard, and and Harry's just got the corpse, and everyone starts cheering, and then they realize that there's a dead child in front of them is so incredibly dark and sad and uh the performance from the actor because the diggory's dad is really really good in that sequence um yeah no i definitely was like i was like oh man robert pattinson's this movie and then he had four lines and then died (laughs) i was like no i'll say he does you do kind of feel for like the death of cedric even though he's not in a lot like i think that's we still like pattinson's things as an actor where you're like you kind of get the appeal where you're like, okay, I, I get this guy, and then he dies, and then yeah, like the self of his dad is devastating, and the it's probably good the movie like sort of has moves on quickly from that, and then gets into like the big Mad Eye Moody reveal, yeah, reveal as well, because like I don't know like how how long you can expect the audience to kind of just sit in that, but. I mean, the real villain of uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is the hairdresser, am I right? Those haircuts <laughs> on these boys. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. This is the one where their hair is just obscenely long. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it especially crazy. becomes a standout once they are attending a formal ball. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like the song, Ben? <laughs> the, uh, the song they the rock right. band sings at the can the... you dance like a hypocrite <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i oh man i definitely Crazy. watched this movie the farthest back yesterday and like oh man i just like watching this and then also narnia like back to back i'm just not a big like fantasy guy and it was just like it was just oh man i just like Especially after watching a summer of like very grounded heartbreak movies, I was just like, "Oh man, I, I'm having a hard time getting into this." Especially like think about Harry Potter though, and I think this is true for all the movies. Is that like the world is always like very visual, visually fascinating. There's always like mm-hmm. a decent amount of work to like make things look like weird and oddball and like. Yeah. have just little cute little details like whether it's everything something kind of small and made or small but like ever present like the little paper like the newspapers that move so like it's never a boring thing to watch but i'm definitely just not a huge fantasy guy 
I mean, we'll get to to Narnia, but that yeah. will really do it to you. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah, like yeah, but for Harry Potter, like this one was just like, I, this one definitely felt the most like, at least for me, just like a lot. And I wish Voldemort came sooner in the movie because those are the parts that I liked. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know, it's like I couldn't. Yeah, I want to like this movie. Maybe I'll like it again on a rewatch, maybe in like a Harry Potter marathon. But like, I feel like just like plucked out of the blue. This one was like a very difficult one to get into with like, but I feel like conceptually, I feel like I really like it out of all of them. Because I feel like it has like the coolest, like the Triwizard Tournament just seems like a really neat thing. Sure. But like, it makes the, it makes sense to, to turn the movie into, into that, like a sports action movie, essentially. Yeah. It's like that's the structure of of what you're given yeah exactly Um, i think it it unfortunately cuts out all the all the space for the stuff that i like the most which is the character interplay and the and the the world at large around them it it kind of just doesn't doesn't fully commit to making me like these characters so much as it is like well we got a cool dragon which the dragon is cool i will i will agree dragon's cool but I just think the pacing of it is 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 rough, um, and there's not as much to grab onto with this one. Um, yeah, and the interplay they do keep is Ron being weird and jealous for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not a good idea to sideline Ron because Ron is the best of the three. <laughs> so, uh, but not not in this one. Oh, and then of course the true. famous Hermione's hot now scene. Yeah, just... yeah, yeah. I'm like. I have much else to say about Goblet of Fire. I got my piece, which is to just talk a lot about that Penisee scene that's like two minutes in. Or, <laughs> or two minutes of stream time. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. If uh if um if it was Brendan Gleason with the nomination, I might like be like, well, he's a clear winner, because it is a great performance from him too. Um yeah, but Fines like, is also very good. And the villain turn from him at the end is really good as, like, yeah, because even when you know it's coming, like, I mean, I don't know if you knew it was coming, Ben, because you, like, haven't read these things, but when I read the books, like, when it gets there and it starts just the reveal and the way his, like, demeanor kind of shifts, you're like, oh, wow. Like, it's, yeah, it's a big thing. And then. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with that, we can probably move on to um yeah a movie that ben i believe you had never seen before like yep uh as a batman begins um i i thought the first nolan one was the dark knight because that makes the mm-hmm. most sense and i've never i have not i'm not like not holistically but like <laughs> it's called the dark knight that sounds like a reboot name it like it feels it felt when i watched it all those years ago it felt very much like a complete movie like a complete like story Mm -hmm. it has like the joker in it which i always associate with being like the main batman villain i don't think i knew who ra's al ghul was uh it has a long it has a relationship with uh yeah rachel that clearly like started before this movie (laughs) (laughs) i assume that's just stuff they just drop on you whenever it's a comic book movie like i feel like you kind of have free reigns to just sort of drop a lot of stuff on people and just be like hey read a book then i guess i just Um, feel like this one's uh, called batman begins yeah but it also it doesn't help that that is also 
like that's that's the naming schemes of the like the Tim Burton and and other ones though. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Nolan ones I thought had their own little unique game naming scheme, but this one sounds like like Batman Returns, Batman Forever, like it has sure. that same name gaming scheme. So I thought it was a part of those movies. Yeah. Um, so if it was called The Dark Knight Begins, you'd be like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I feel like it? I would get it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I was talking with Ian the other well, but earlier today, I'm like, that's what they should have called it, so that way I wouldn't have been confused. <laughs> Uh, i'll say the dark knight does kind of obviously we'll talk about that a lot in a couple weeks or a few weeks from now but like it does function i think well it's like kind of a complete thought on its own and i can see why if you were not aware of batman begins you'd be like oh yeah clearly clearly this is the first of like his two batman movies but yeah wait so but when you had seen the dark knight rises by this point were you aware of batman begins because Dark Knight Rises brings in a lot of stuff back from Batman Begins. Not it, not even in the faintest. I thought it was. <laughs> I either, I either didn't know it existed, or I assumed it was like part of like the the previous Batman's, like the the Michael Keatons or whoever was after Michael Keaton. Um, so you just assumed that like they didn't want you to like have context for who Ra's Al Ghul was? <laughs> no, I I just assumed that it was just somebody that you just are supposed to know. Like it's just like it's a real reference. Um, yeah, I know. Razo- like the Joker. Yeah, Razogul is the last character you unlock in the Lego Batman game. I know that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has like a sick sword. Exactly. Um, had no, yeah. absolutely no clue. So you this... never sat for those movies thinking, how the hell we'd wind up like this? You know, why weren't we able? You know, see the stuff that we missed. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it existed. Though it was a very, very good. Where's movie. Heath Ledger? <laughs> yeah, where is he? Where is he? he at? Couldn't be bothered to come back. <laughs> he just yeah. left his card at the end. <laughs> <laughs> did you like it then? I did like it. Um, I always. Uh, it's good that I finally get some a little bit of closure. I don't think I've seen the. I've not seen the. So I've only. Wa- I guess I've only watched the middle Batman nolan the movie because uh, mm-hmm. i've not seen the bane one um sure but now i'm i'm slowly i'm slowly i'm like uh from the inside out i'm seeing all of them but no i really did like oh, this one so when i was just asking you about how you handle the dark knight rises you could have just said well i haven't seen that yet." oh when you said dark knight rises my immediate thought was like that's what it's called that's what the that's what the dark knight's <laughs> called <laughs> my brain just auto filled i was like yeah of course like it's that one um well he begins he be- then he's the dark knight and, and then, then he, he rises, rises. yeah <laughs> it all makes sense now um no this was a really really good movie i thought i liked all the stuff in like the mountains i liked him sort of trading with Ra's al ghul i like sort of the slow like build up to like uh i guess it's not super slow like he gets a suit and everything really fast but um it's just kind of fun. This is a fun little movie. Um, I probably like. I probably liked the Batman more. Um, mm-hmm. I think that one just has like a little bit more going on. It's also like an hour longer, so it has more time to do things. Um, and also, Robert Pattinson has more than four lines this time around, which is good for him. Um, but no, like this was a very very fun movie, and I'm I'm excited to watch it as a part of a trilogy now, and not just on its on its own and see how like how they kind of feed into each other yeah uh it is funny you you, you mentioned batman not having a lot of lines because i feel like he's never the lead of any of the nolan movies <laughs> like he's just sort of is is there and it's like oh well it's batman 
is a Batman movie, but everything else is always more interesting to me. You know, Joker's more interesting, Bane's more interesting in this one. I find the the Raza Ghoul stuff very cool. Scarecrow's okay, I guess. Um I mean I guess we'll get into that the difference between the two. But um Yeah. I do like Christian Bale. I think he's fine as the as the character. Like he would never be my favorite Batman because I just never think about him when I think about these movies, which is maybe unfair to him because he he is doing a lot of work, you know. But I don't know. Oh, I love I love Bale in these. Like, say as probably one who, I mean, was sort of like aware of like Batman as a character and a big fan before this movie existed. I remember being excited about this one because. There had not been a Batman movie since Batman and Robin, which notoriously killed the franchise. Um, so there was a lot of kind of riding on on this. Um, famously, Warner Brothers was not confident in a in like the Batman IP being able to like be on its own because of the last one. So a lot of the marketing heavily relied on the film's biggest star, Katie Holmes. Of course, um, which yeah. Which has alluded to, and in what I sent Ben immediately before he watched Batman, like, begins, like, months ago, because I'm like, you have to see this, because I'm definitely going to bring this up, uh, the famous, but the famous use of the Nickelback song, Someday, in, uh, like, in a TV spot that <laughs> makes it seem like a, like, it's a lot more of, like, kind of just a romantic, like, two-hander between them, um, though not as much as the famous ABC family, like, network premiere thing where it's like like he fights for justice and lives for love just yeah that clip is crazy <laughs> oh yeah but i'll say i mean especially in i think this one and then the dark knight is kind of a joker movie and when i rise this as this but i i do think these are the batman movies that are the most kind of interested in the idea of bruce wayne because they are building an argument well i guess that's really what the the third one ultimately does does but like they are one of the few pieces of batman media that are confronting the idea is it healthy for him to be like dressing up a bat as a bat and doing this and eventually they kind of settle on no it kind of isn't he shouldn't have to keep doing this (laughs) which is like novel like radical as like your thing for your big superhero batman to go but no he doesn't need to be batman come on but like um and i think bale is just really good good in this uh he gets the notes on it's really christopher nolan movies often get pegged as being humorless and these are often seen as oh yeah the serious realistic like batman movies but i forget that there's an ex entire like comedic like multiple comedic bits of like christian bale playing up his bruce wayne as like just an unlikable playboy cad yeah ultimately like i think the movie is like just the incredibly like funny bit of like page a saying drunken billionaire burns down mansion on like page eight after like he has to like just drive everyone away to save them from like raz al ghul and like it's the kind of stuff where like these are just fun movies like i think john the jonathan crane like the cillian murphy performance in this is really fun uh, on honestly this is the one where like when i though as much as it's kind of weird that's not liam neeson i'm like yeah yeah i can see it like yeah i mean scarecrow 
villain for most of it, right? Like, we don't know the Ra's al Ghul is a bad guy necessarily until close to the end of the movie, right? Yeah, I would say that, like there's like a big like party scene where, or I guess that's that's like two third two two thirds the way in. Yeah, it's right the end of the that. second act where Liam Neeson comes back because. Also, he was not being advertised as, like, Liam Neeson is Ra's al Ghul. He was, like, being advertised, like, they had, like, someone else was, like, Ra's al Ghul. And it was very, but yeah, it was very much playing on your thing where you're like, oh, he's going to be the side villain and Scarecrow's the main guy. And he was playing the role of Henri Ducard, who is, like, a minor comic character from one of, like, Batman, those Batman stories where they're, like, we really need to explain why this like billionaire knows martial arts. Right. Like, and I completely forgot about that, about how we don't even know that he's Ra's al Ghul at the beginning of the movie. Um, Cause there's some other guy when, uh, when Christian Bill shows up to the monastery, which is a great sequence. I love that whole part of the movie. Um, you know, Scarecrow's one of my favorite Batman characters. I think he's very interesting. You could do a lot of really cool stuff with him. I think that, that they kind of squander him in the na- in the name of realism you know like like i think that that he suffers the most from from nolan wanting to contextualize these movies in a seemingly realistic world um because you could do some really crazy stuff with his like hallucinogenic powers and all sorts of things that they kind of do a little bit like you know it, it gets a little creepy but they could they could go even like you know bigger and bigger and bigger with it which i wish that they do but i do like killian murphy's performance fine i think he's he's pretty good um i just prefer the the nascent parts of the movie yeah yeah no i wish the the it's weird because the scarecrow stuff did feel like kind of toned down in this uh it feels like they could have pushed that a little further um because it's just like i feel like the one thing the one scene i did like or the one the one i think effective use of it was like the the scarecrow mass like turning into a bunch of maggots for a second yeah that was really good i wish there's more of that kind of stuff yeah it is one where you kind of wish there was a bit more like hallucinations and stuff also i do want to circle back to point out that like that some guy as the fake ra's al ghul was of course treasured actor ken watanabe that's that was what i thought that was who I thought played that role, but I didn't want to get that wrong. <laughs> I was just, I just moved, moved past it because I didn't want to think in my head that it was Ken Watanabe. And in fact, it was just a, a, a different actor. Um, but yeah, great guy. Great actor. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> it's kind of weird that he's only in the movie for like one scene. Cause he's a giant star in, you know, just, is a great actor but i guess he makes up for it when with uh inception brings him oh, back yeah it it is kind of funny and i and i think that's probably how they get away with it too because like if you're like yeah and ken watanabe's playing Ra's al ghul you're like oh of course yeah he's like or also this is funny because i'm still not sure how to pronounce it because there are some batman fans who are going to insist it is actually Rachel ghul like i believe in arkham city they do just go, yeah, it's Rachel Ghoul. And you're like, oh, did they get this wrong the whole time? But unlike, I think sorry, I've it's... heard that before, too. I, I think it's uh, annoying. Because <laughs> what, yeah. what is it? It means like head of the demon or something. 
Head of the Devil, maybe? Head know. of the it, Demon, yes. Yeah, yeah. Cool character. I love the character. I always love reading Ra's al Ghul stories in the comics. Um, really neat. I wish they got into more of the uh, Lazarus pits of it all, but I understand that that's pretty far-fetched and comic booky, and that these are not comic booky movies. Yeah, these are serious movies of serious scenes, like where a crime boss is like, like put on the thing like, that was another thing I loved as a kid, just the origin of the bat symbol being that he hangs, like, Falcone up there, and it kind of makes, like, a bat, and then the, like, Gary Oldman is really good in these movies, like, just the yeah. thing where he's like, oh, I didn't have a crime boss! It's like, it's like, <laughs> oh, Gordon, just, um... Yeah, I really like him in these movies. Great performance, always. Yeah, and, like, he's really good. Um, For all the Batman movies that have depicted the Wayne murders, I feel this... This is the kind of film that feels the most actually interested in it and the impact it sort of had on Bruce and his psyche. Like, um, yeah. I remember, and I guess spoilers for Joker, <laughs> um, I remember being so unbelievably mad in the theater whenever they did the Wayne murder again in that movie. I was just like, really? Really? All... I mean, you finally have a movie that's not called Batman, and you still find a way to do this. <laughs> it just is it's so annoying. I'm so tired of seeing yeah. it. We just, um, ugh, we get it. <laughs> I think my uh, my favorite depiction, obviously, of the Wayne uh, murder uh, is in uh, Teen, Teen Titans, Titans Go, Go to the Movie. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah. <laughs> where they uh, they save him not creating Batman, and then later in the movie they they redo it right in front of them and then give each other a big thumbs up <laughs> yes that is i remember us and our friend mac just sitting there in the theater laughing hysterically at that sequence um, that's a great movie did, yeah. did slade get nominated for uh for best villain no but i would argue he's eventually like if we did a host choice episode yeah that would be a good one <laughs> i'm just thinking teen titans goes, goes bits the thing where you're like sl- like Slade is wearing just like a costume on top of his costume. (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah, I'll say as much as like Murphy's not giving like the flashiest performance here, like, and he is kind of more fun in the later films where he's just kind of like the cameo of oh scarecrows around. Like, yeah, I I think he is really good at just being kind of really slimy and yeah. Uh, just he's an actor uh, i like a lot he's got you know obviously it's just a crazy like amphibian face that just it just works to being a villain and uh he's he he does have a good presence i think um yeah i am very excited to see what he does in oppenheimer Um, yeah that'll be very interesting um i'm glad that he's like one of nolan's guys you know like he he's really good in dunkirk a movie that i think is got not very many good performances in it i think he is uh he's fantastic in that movie um yeah i like killian murphy i just think i like liam neeson in this movie more unfortunately yeah it's yeah liam neeson is good and he brings a lot of pathos to it and i know there are some people there are some people some batman purists who don't like the bit at the end where he's like 
I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you as he leaves him to die on a train. But yeah. as a kid, I always thought, I'm like, this is really cool. I'm like, yeah. I'm like this still works. Yeah, I, I'm glad that both Batman and um, and uh, Tobin Bell's Jigsaw both live under the mantra of like, I'm technically not killing you right now. <laughs> Proceeds to murder them in the most murdery way possible. <laughs> Was their fault for, for they are honestly Batman and Jigsaw are very similar because they both are like well I mean look you know I am in the right here you're the one who was who, who you know is a petty criminal you're the one who was who was dealing drugs on the corner so I have to put you through some very torturous you know experience here um, but. That's only because I'm in the right. I am the angel of death. I'm correct. Yeah, I'm. And you yeah. just don't understand how important justice is. Exactly. I'm morally correct, and you're ontologically evil. Like I don't know why yeah. this is hard to understand. <laughs> Batman and Jigsaw are would probably get along pretty well. I think. Yeah. It's also funny that this scene is in there, and then a lot of the next movie is, is Batman going to break his code and kill somebody? When you're mm-hmm. like, guys, <laughs> come on. But, like, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, kill somebody without the help of a train that's, like, just destructing. <laughs> but... <laughs> hey, the train's cool. I love the train. Oh, yeah, the train, the little device they have that releases all the toxins is also really neat. I feel like, yeah, I feel like, um... I just so love like, the art direction. Yeah, I feel like you are correct in that. Like, I feel like Nolan just does sort of like limit himself a little bit by trying to be very grounded. But I feel like it does lead to like things that are genuinely really cool as well. I feel sure. like it is. There's a lot of give and take with that. That like, um, that like if I think <laughs> we were talking about earlier, I think if Star Wars has shown us anything, that being able to make anything with CGI, anything at all, can also lead to like very bland results that like don't yeah. leave an impression at all. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'll say another thing. I just think of that train is I do think that uh, the Nolan movies and the, this one in particular is like, I think, think kind of good at making Wayne Industries feel like a bit more than just like, oh, it's a bluff. That's where his money comes from. Like, I do kind of like the subplot with Lucius and then like the jerk CEO and like the, the bit he's like, oh, did you not get the memo? he's like really funny and obviously you know morgan freeman like has his pro yeah his problems and stuff but i do think like he is giving like a very good performance especially when the one has to introduce the things where he's like yeah i'm going like base jumping he's like uh base jumping huh Uh uh-huh like (laughs) yeah i mean michael kane's my favorite in all these movies but um uh, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman, the supporting cast are all great. Katie Holmes, not so much, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they correct that in the next one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Yeah, I feel ben, like... were you confused when Rachel was just a different person? Like... Not at all, honestly. I have I have probably the worst celebrity face blindness of any human <laughs> being on Earth. Um, I'm trying to remember. My friend, oh my gosh, I wonder if I even have the picture. Because there was four actors that I was confusing with each other. Um, if I can find it at some point, I will send it to you. But I was, I think it was um, Edward Norton, and there was two other people mm-hmm. that I'm like, yeah, they all kind of look the same to me. And then my friend pulled up all of them next to each other, and it it was insane how different these people looked. Um, so I have, I very much like if 
if I have not seen a movie, if I'm not watching two movies side by side, I will just assume, oh, maybe the lighting's different. <laughs> yeah, but Katie Holmes, someone who I do think, like, got more criticism in her heyday than she maybe, like, deserved, but yeah, it's not giving a really compelling performance in this. So. Certainly not as good as uh, teaching Mrs. Tingle. Remember? Oh yeah, Remember that? that's an. Oh, yeah. oh, you think she's good in that? Interesting. I don't. I everyone who, <laughs> do not remember her. Everyone who isn't Mrs. Tingle. If everyone who isn't Miss Tingle in that movie is not doing the best. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll take it. I'll she's, I'll take. She that. probably is better in teaching Mrs. Tingle than this. Yeah, well, I think she she's not given a lot in this. No, that is true. I think she's good in, um. The Ice Storm, but otherwise, I can't think of a performance from her that I like. Which is not to say she's bad. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm I'm being unjust. But um, in general, I'm not a, a big Katie Holmes fan. Sorry to say. But she was well, also dealing with a lot. She was, uh, you know, in that relationship with the with um, what's his name? Tom Cruise. Not in his name. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Big deal. I mean, that that'll do a real number on you, I think. Yeah, I, I think this movie comes out around the same time as War of the Worlds and the infamous like him jumping on the couch. Like it's, yeah, she had a lot going on. Um, but yeah, this is a good movie. Um, does anyone have anything else to say on Batman Begins? I would not be surprised, like if if you were to say what person in real life would be the most likely to be to to try to be a Batman figure, it would be Tom Cruise. Like, oh, yeah. I think that you would one hundred percent use his resources <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, it's it's man, it is just a it is the bane, weird mm-hmm. bane of superhero movies that there are so many superhero movies that like would have been a little better if they didn't try to cram so many supervillains in it. And like, I thought it was, yeah. it's been a problem that has plagued them since like their inception almost. Um, just cause you, back then you didn't know if you were going to get one, two, maybe none. Um, like, so right. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's unfortunate that the nominee for this one, as a good a performance as it was, was definitely the weaker of the two main villains in this movie. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and I, Let's see, like, I think I have this probably a little bit higher than the two of you, but... We'll, it's a good movie. We'll, we'll I like see. the movie. Yeah. We still have one more movie to talk about, and it's definitely one that's going to be, I'm sure, exciting for everyone. The Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I... Is, I assume this is the first time you've covered it on the show. Yeah, it's not come yes. up. <laughs> um, it's not come up since I was a child, even, to watch it at all. Um... I forgot about the fact that a world war was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a bit of a, I was watching it and I thought I turned on the wrong movie because uh, mm-hmm. bombs were dropping. And I'm like, I remember there being a goat man. This is not a goat man. <laughs> um, it's always tough. Cause I think on the child actor bell curve, this is a pretty good movie. Sure. Um, but I don't know how it stands without that. And I'm probably not going to watch it again. I do appreciate how fast they actually do get to Narnia. I thought 
that there was going to be like 40 30 minutes of like house shenanigans before they actually like i see the goat man that i remember um mm. but i'm glad well, i think that's the only time you can call the movie fast is how fast <laughs> yeah how the fast because after that it is a <laughs> it is a crawl it is a mm-hmm. it is i'm i'm baffled because this this week there's every movie this week except for saw has been so long like capping over mm-hmm. two hours like Mm-hmm. It, and i was shocked that this is one of them because you don't think there's enough content and there isn't enough content to make two hours and 20 minutes of this movie but yet it powers through um <laughs> and it's this movie is it's a clearly a young adult fantasy novel movie it is probably one of like mm-hmm. one of the blueprints for those kinds of movies. Um, it's got a few unique things here and there. Um, I've seen it. It often, every time I've heard about this movie as of recently or recently at all is usually when people compare it to the, to the re the remake of the lion King and showing that like, it's actually not super hard to make lions really expressive. (laughs) Right. Um, and that it's like, it was possible in 2005. But other than that, I don't hear much about this movie. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know, I was raised on Christian media and in uh, in Christian circles. The Chronicles of the Narnia is as big as as uh, Batman. You know, it's like, what? That's the that's the thing. It's it's the Chronicles of Narnia. It's 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 C.S. Lewis is our Stephen King. Uh, so I, this was the only movie I, of these that I saw in the theater. Uh, I saw it with my Sunday school. We all took a trip to see it, which I think is very funny because like Christian audiences rolled out and there's not much of the, the Lewis uh, material left in the movie. Like there's still the very basic and, and obvious uh, Christ metaphor with Aslan, but otherwise there's not... There's, there's nothing else going on here. Like, this is not a, a faith-based film at all, which is fine. It's, it sh- I don't know that it, it should be. Uh, it's, you know, it's 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 fine. I just think... It, I don't understand why, as a kid, I liked this movie. Because <laughs> I re- when I rewatched it, I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. This is insane. It takes so long for anything to happen. I like Mr. Tumnus, but then he's gone completely. I really like Tilda Swinton. I think she's great in the movie, but she's barely in it. And then all, like, the whole back half is like, well, there's going to be a battle. And I'm like, are you serious? And then 40 minutes later, a battle indeed does happen. (laughs) And I don't, I just don't care about any, like, I don't care about the the socio-political climate of narnia and and whether or not these woodland animals are going to live to be free and 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 them training to fight the white witch's army or whatever it's just it sucks the good stuff is the white witch and edmund and uh lucy and And, mr tom and santa shows up for like a second and then is Mm -hmm. gone and is just completely gone for the whole movie um (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> which is just a funny thing i forgot about <laughs> uh 
Yeah, that is something you forget when you you forget that there it takes place in, in World War Two, and that uh, that there the movie opens with a swastika and that uh, that uh, Santa Claus is in it. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at my like review for this where I apparently gave a two point five and a heart at the time, which is very generous, and I've just taken that heart down. But yeah, this is um. Similarly, as a, yeah, uh, I remember, well, these books were certainly present as a child. I think I read this book, and then none of the others, like, the Narnia never had much of an appeal for me. Um, I did see all of these movies. One, I forget, I mean, I think I rented this one. And then Prince Caspian, which I definitely recall them trying to mark it as there. It's like Lord of the Rings. Look at all this yeah. epic action. And like, uh, and pirates at the same time. It was both. Right, and pi- pirates as well. I remember wa- kind of watching it at my old kind of Christian-based summer camp. And my main thing for like Prince Caspian is a group of friends of mine invented a game where they would... Yeah, shout for Narnia and then punch each other in the balls. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was like the whole thing. So that's my main association with this franchise. Is a punch in the balls. Yeah, and then Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I was talked into seeing this film on my birthday. Um, I feel less out of particular interest and more because like it was, kind of yeah, it was with my dad. It was with my dad and sister, and then my dad's girlfriend at the time and like her like niece nieces and nephews and stuff where because i think because we had seen sherlock holmes the last year then they're like oh let's could do this again could be a thing and then like yeah i'll see the third narnia film like fine like yeah i'm i feel i was 19 at the time like it was my 19th birthday and i watched the narnia movie just but the third one's fucking crazy. There's the third one is insane. Like if you compare this that one to this movie, the pacing is is ramped up to eleven, and so much insane stuff happens in it. Like you get the kid turning into a dragon, and and all of the 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 weird like um, kind of Alice in Wonderland sequence. It's a it's a really crazy movie. I don't know that it's good, but um, it certainly is. More, I would I would watch that movie any day before I would watch The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe again, which is because this movie is just so austere. It's so like 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 very prim and 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 boring. You know, it's it's it. Gosh, but I do think that Tilda Swinton gives an incredible performance in this movie. I think she's very good. Um, she's got a lot of great presence. She's very um, she's very beguiling you know like 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 yeah. you understand why yeah. edmund is 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 drawn to her but then also she's very intimidating yeah and everything i think the other person with uh with a great presence is this movie is probably santa um mm-hmm. <laughs> he did come up with yeah. a couple of good presents um yeah. i don't know if this is controversial <laughs> i don't know i don't know if this is controversial but i liked the beavers i thought the beavers are very charming I feel like there's something that theoretically they're theoretically annoying, but I just found them very charming and a much needed like reprieve from the kind of a slog this movie is mm-hmm. sometimes. And I feel like just having a having a beaver just go 
uh, my wife every once in a while is just kind of, it, I didn't know I need it. It's one of those things you don't know you need until you get it. Yeah. And you're like, I kind of needed this in my Chronicles yeah. of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, well, one of those beavers, of course, was Ray Winstone, who, Ben, he is in Cats. Uh, yeah, he, he's also in Beowulf, which you will, like, we will watch for, like, a future episode in, but, but he, but he is in, like, Cats as, like, Growl Tiger, like, the henchman of McCavity. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very funny thing. That role. This, of course, perfect. is not his most important credit, but it's one where I'm like, what would Ben know this? Um, sorry, and isn't it also, realizing... like, Jason Isaacs is the wolf or something? Maybe? someone yeah there's some some names of course this is the second liam neeson film we have we're talking about this week because he Mm -hmm. is aslan i personally think he's much worse than this i think he's very much coasting (laughs) Um, like i think that aslan's a fun character but uh the bulk of any gravitas just comes from the fact that it's a talking lion with liam neeson's voice i don't think he's really giving much in terms of a performance so much as he is just using his voice as yeah you know as a tool essentially um but he's you know aslan's cool i guess sure oh so the lead wolf is michael madsen i got there you go that's that's so funny michael madsen (laughs) what a what a what a choice Oh yeah, and I looked up Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and it did in fact come out in 2010, which means probably wasn't on my birthday then, but that does mean that I saw this film around the time I was turning 18, nice. which where I live in Canada is the age where you can drink. Nice. So there's like a very good chance I watched this movie and then just went to a bar later. Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you might need it, yeah. Yeah, oh. uh, it was, it Ben. Was, you should like, watch Voyage of the Dawn Treader. You should skip I... Caspian <laughs> and watch Dawn. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, I guess the list of movies Ben watches unseen, but yeah, yeah, it's there's not a ton to talk about in this one. Like, I'll say I always have kind of wished that they kept making Narnia films, if only because. It was, and I think Netflix or someone has the rights now, and they're trying to do them, but the thing with adapting Narnia as a franchise is, the you cannot deny, like, the last Narnia book is, yeah, um, wait, Ben, do you have much familiarity with where the Narnia books go? I do not, I have not have any, I have zero, but yeah. spoil uh, away. Ethan, I'm assuming you, you know from, like, your... Yeah, I've not I've not read the last couple, but I'm aware of the insane yeah. ending to the franchise. So, so Ben, <laughs> the last Narnia book is essentially a retelling of the biblical book of Revelations with Narnia characters, where the inciting incident is almost every character like throughout the franchise, except for Susan, uh, the eldest daughter, who at this point is more into makeup, is killed in like a train wreck, and then essentially they partake in the battle and get to ascend to heaven at the end which is narnia while susan has to like identify her dead family and is like just condemned to hell basically yeah (laughs) but like but literally it's there's like a false prophet and it is just kind of beat by beat revelation but with like narnia animals like it's 
Yeah. <laughs> it feels like the most uncommercial thing in the world. Oh yeah, there's no way. There's no way they could continue the franchise because like the the kids aren't even in it after uh after Don Treader is made, I think. I'm pretty sure that the the kids like the Pevensies are not in the uh uh remaining books at all. <laughs> like in the characters don't carry over. <laughs> Well, they return for the last one. They return they for have, the last one. Yeah, they have I guess they could skip to there. In, yeah, they have to keep bringing in like new characters and new members of this family, which is why a lot of Dawn Treader is like their young cousins. And yeah, it'd be crazy if in like 2015 they were like, and now a horse and his boy <laughs> coming to coming to cinemas near you. See it in real D 3D. And it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> Also, the main thing I remember about this movie when like had rewatched it for this is we do like obviously the Narnia world's an allegory, it's like Christian is this, it's that. It is objectively crazy that they age fifteen years and then revert back <laughs> to being children. Yeah. They're just kind of like, Oh well, there that goes. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is that is kinda horrific. I was I was Yeah. That is literally insane. Um, it would have irrevocable like, effects yeah, on your brain, I think. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, literally, like, Edmund and Lucy are going to have to go through, like, puberty twice now in their Ugh. lives? Like, just... Yeah. Ugh, man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Tilda Swinton, uh, great actress. Great performance. Yeah, it is it is a great performance. And, like, she is... It's funny, um... Ethan and I both recently watched the film 3,000 Years of Longing, where she is playing, like, a very kind of buttoned-up reserve character, um, and is, like, very good in that, and it is, I think, fun to have, like, this, films like these, where you do get to see her, like, cut loose and just, like, mm-hmm. go crazy, because she does a very good job being, like, the embodiment of evil in this film. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, this, uh, what a, what a series of movies. It was... Rank the three, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'll probably, I think at top, I think, is probably, uh, The Lion. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it literally is Jesus. I feel like it would be sacrilege sure. to put it any lower. Um, then the, Uh-oh. probably the wardrobe <laughs> after that, uh, just because it's how they get there. And then witches are kind of scary, so I'm going to put those in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be my that is my lion witch wardrobe uh, ranking. Uh, ward uh, witch number one, wardrobe number two, lion number three. Unfortunately, wow. uh, wardrobe's cool. It's a great idea. Great idea. I love the way they do it in the movie. I think it's very cool, and it, it really plays to the uh, um, like childlike sense of imagination. You know. Wardrobe's cool. I was hoping yours would be different enough that I could just like pick, pick like basically have completely different orders for all three of them. Where I'm like, well, yeah, obviously it's like wardrobe, witch, lion, but <laughs> then even had to go and put the lion at the bottom. But um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's but yeah, probably just lion, witch, wardrobe. Like it, yeah, it makes the most sense as like the title, but also they are pretty much telling you this is what's kind of the most important important things in this film and sure. Like I think that plays out. Um Yeah. Also, 
it remains crazy that like they just kill like like Aslan as Jesus is like a really funny me just metaphor that gets even weirder when it gets to like his death. Yeah, because it's not like he's taking on the sins of the world. It's like he's taking like one dumb kid. Like, yeah, <laughs> but maybe that's what makes it powerful. Could be. Yeah. And all right. Well, now we gotta talk about something we all know about: the deep magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. I think it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure now we rank these movies. The yes, movies first. Movies and first, the, yes. and then okay. villains. Yeah. Um, I can go first. Um, so these ones are all, it's really tough. Um, I think I'm at the bottom, I think I'm, ooh, it's really tough. I think I'm probably going to put Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, just like, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's like the worst combination of everything. It's like a series I'm not super into. It's like the middle movie and it's like, uh, I don't know. The Voldemort stuff at the end is really good, though. Um, I think right above that, I think I'm going to put uh, Narnia. It's it's like, it's really generic, sort of whimsy, but it's still whimsy at the end of the day, which is like, if you're in a good mood, it's a good movie. Um, smack dab in the middle, I would probably have Saw 2. Still like Saw 1 more, but still like any movie that can make me cringe as much as the needle scene is worth something in my books. Uh, and then for my top two, um, this is really, really tough. Um, but I, ah, oh man, I feel bad and I kind of just have to go with my gut for this one, but I'm probably going to put Star Wars episode three above Batman Begins. Wow. Purely based off vibes. <laughs> I don't think I can, I don't think I can justify that. I don't think I could probably intellectualize reasons why that one goes above but i just know that like watching batman begins i was like oh this is a good movie and then watching like certain scenes of star wars episode three i was like this is hilarious i love this i had such a good time um and the the, the neat thing about the star wars is that all the boring parts of episode three i think are somewhere in the middle so like the beginning was good so i got hooked and the ending was good so it led to a good taste in my mouth and i feel like for a movie that's kind of rougher on the edges that's the best way you could arrange it <laughs> Oh, that is my um, movies. Ethan, what do you got? I'm really struggling with the bottom spot because it's between Star Wars and Narnia. Two movies that I find laborious, but there are things that I like in both. And they're of similarly obnoxiously long lengths. Um, but I think I like Tilda and McAvoy more than anything in Star Wars. I'll put Star Wars at the bottom then the line the witch in the wardrobe then i would do harry potter and the goblet of fire a fine movie yeah a lot of just residual joy from being a harry potter kid that i get watching it but otherwise i don't think it's it's, it's a great film um, but the fine fine's performance is great and then batman begins and saw two at the top okay nice so at the bottom, I have Narnia, just not really exciting, not really good. Like, 
the only reason I wanna I wanted them to keep making these movies is because of how crazy they get. Um, then above that, uh, probably Goblet of Fire. It just I like it more than most. It's still not the best Harry Potter, but hey, Body Crouch. <gasps> Junior is gonna like always like kind of give that a bit of an edge for me. Then above that, Revenge of the Sith. Like, uh, yeah, just a movie. Uh, it is kind of the prequel where I'm like, yeah, I enjoy this. This is a this is one of the good ones. Then and then for top two, I'm gonna have Saw two in the number two spot as a step down from Saw one was still very enjoyable with the top spot going to. Batman Begins, a movie I love every time I watch it. It's just it's very entertaining for me. Uh, we're we're going to be talking a lot about Batman in the next couple months on this podcast or so, so we'll get into it. But I think the, this is one where if the rest of Nolan's Batman movies have been kind of similar to this tone and like didn't just go grandiose, I still think they'd have been like enjoyable, if not... The big instant classic that kind of ruined the Joker, uh, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, how do, Batman Begins very good, but how did all these villains stack up? Yeah, so for the villains, I think unfortunately at the bottom I would probably have to put um, uh, Batman, like the the Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah, he's kind of it's another unfortunate case. We've seen it. We've seen it a handful of times of like you picked the wrong person for this movie to, to make the nomination for. Um, not bad, just like kind of overshadowed. Um, I think above that, I think I would have um, probably uh, Anakin in Star Wars. Um, he had a very tall order and he slaughtered children. Um, it's His last fight was good. He had a couple of good interactions. Um, he really sold being on fire uh and also in pain uh so that was pretty good um you gotta give him that at the very least uh smack dab in the middle i think i'm gonna have voldemort harry potter but mainly just because there was not a lot of him i think if you were to take the what i saw of him there and stretch that up the whole movie um i probably would have this like much higher but just because of what you're given uh right above that i think for my top two uh i think i would have uh jigsaw then with um the the witch uh tilda swinton right above at the top spot just like hell yeah both very very good i feel like tobin bell is doing really good but i feel like he just doesn't get a lot to do in saw 2 uh because he's very confined to where he sort of is but what from what he's given like the conversation he gets to have are always just like he just has that way of talking that's just very very nice but Tilda Swinton actually got to have like a full performance and like a be in the movie a lot. And I feel like it shows and also her performance was just absolutely lovely. Is it my turn? Um, At the bottom, I would put Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, but not a good performance. Don't like the villain. Sorry. <laughs> and then, uh, up from that, I would put Killian Murphy as Scarecrow. Um, it's 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 fine. It's totally fine. It just does not doesn't make as much of an impression as others. 
Ray Fines as Voldemort goes in the middle at number three. Uh, great, always a great performance and a great bit in this movie. But number two has to go to Tilda Swinton. I think she's really great in a very mediocre movie. And then at the very top, of course, got to give it to my main man, Tobin Bell as Jigsaw. Uh, really great performance. I love his his presence in these movies. And I love what he brings to the role. I think that he elevates Saw 2 above what it could be. All right, yeah. And my list, um, Hayden Christensen at the bottom. Like, again, I think he is fine, but this would have been very tough for anyone to achieve. And I, he does not quite get there uh, for me then above that hmm, this is tough um yeah i'll probably go with cillian murphy i do want to kind of defend that i think it does kind of make sense as the best villain pick because he is uh, in it more than liam neeson and i think is sort of good even if it maybe doesn't go to the full potential of the scarecrow character but like the bag, the bag is there, and he does well as this kind of like just n- nervy, slimy, like just doctor among all these mobsters and stuff. And but it doesn't like the top three are just like really impressive performances. Um, so in the third spot, I'll probably give it to Tilda there. Uh, just yeah, she she's a witch like. It's d- definitely would be a worse movie without her in it. Then b- above that, gonna toss it to to Rafe. Um, Voldemort. It similarly, it's the thing where it does not get a lot to do, but I think makes that time count and really does sort of bring up the eh, yeah the energy of the movie and just uh really adds to the stakes of it and help sell the idea that these are going to be darker going forward. But yeah, number one, I'm going to like go with Ethan's here or just agree with his pick and go with Jigsaw. Like it's Tobin Bell, what he does with very limited screen time in like all these films, like, but he's crafted a presence that's so iconic. He's really good, even when he's not doing a lot in these things. And yeah, I'm probably not going to give it to him next week, so I figure I can at least give it to him here. Um, so, that about wraps up Best Villain 2006. Uh, yeah, I think it was a fun one to return to. We've now come to Recommendation of the Week, our feature where we can like just recommend anything we want to the viewers. Um, All right. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll, uh, so, uh, I'm probably going to hold on my the boys recommendation i've sat on it long enough and i could be more specific um because i really enjoyed that but i think my solid recommendation of the week uh is probably just going to be the movie 500 days of summer it was really incredible i super enjoyed it um it's just a a lovely horrible horribly sad awful great fantastic movie um there's one scene in particular that absolutely shatters me um, and hopefully it shatters some of you out there. Cool. Uh, Ethan, what do you got? 
I would like to recommend Mission Impossible. But wait! Not the movies, but the television show from the 1960s. A really fun show that I've gotten into on my favorite streaming service, Paramount Plus, of course, of course. Um, It is really... It's just an hour-long caper every week. They do something else crazy. And if you like, as Ben was talking about with Saw, uh, just like crazy reveals of like, you thought this was the case, but it was actually this the whole time. There's one of those every week in Mission Impossible. The end of every episode is always a joy to figure out what was actually going on and what their crazy heist has has amounted to. And it's uh, just, it's very fun easy to watch television i'm a big fan oh and i have just looked up to see if mission impossible is available in canada on paramount plus and it is not and i am furious Uh, that is really tragic actually i'm sorry yeah that's all right um i am going to recommend the hbo max slash here it just airs on adult swim but it is the but the third season of Harley Quinn, which I've been catching up on. It's yeah, Harley Quinn is a really good show in in general. Like for a character who can be a lot, who's been kind of pushed to the forefront very quickly, is like I think it's a show that has a good take on her. It's a Batman thing that is perfectly happy and willing to do things like just kill off villains or have Jim Gordon portrayed as like a maniac drunk or in what has been a very fun episode there it's like uh they have the the Joker goes from kind of being the Joker to the thing where like he is married with a stepson and stepdaughter and semi-retired and then runs for mayor as like a socialist with his pitch being that he's going to rob banks and stuff and then redistribute the money and use it to fund social policies like education. And it's, yeah. And like, it's just, it's a very fun show. Um, yeah. Just Harley Quinn. Um, and that about does it for that. Uh, Ethan, thanks for coming on again. It's always a pleasure. Uh, it's been nice to talk to you after so long away. Is there anything you'd like to plug for us at this time? Yeah, I have a podcast. Uh, much like this one, I went on hiatus for the summer, but it will be coming back soon, probably around the time this episode comes out, I guess. You record- I don't know. Uh, you recorded but- an episode with Ben and not me, and then you're like, this was a mistake. I can never release this. <laughs> yeah, Ben's episode will be coming out soon. It's coming. Um, it's coming. We re- recorded it literally months ago, but um, Heavy Metal is the name of the podcast. Uh, heavy m-e-d-d-l-e heavy metal it's a scooby-doo podcast each week the guest is different kenny ben have both been on the show both together and separately um and uh each week the guest is different but i'm always there talking about scooby-doo and i'm bringing it back soon so it'll be back and better than ever i've said it out loud on this podcast now i have to bring it back exactly yeah (laughs) it'd be pretty embarrassing if you didn't but no, that's cool. Um, yeah, always a big fan of heavy metal, and honestly, kind of glad it went on a hiatus because I barely had time for any podcasts all summer, and I would have had so much to catch up on. Um, and then Ben would have gone, "Have you listened to my episode yet?" And I'd have had to have lied. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Ben, what do you got to plug? Um, yeah, uh, I have my Twitter at gakgak g h a k g h a k, and then in the bio of that is my link tree, um, that probably has its own URL. But that's the, how I always find it whenever I need to find my own stuff, uh, and that just has like my everything, um, like my Instagram, my wherever, whatever. If I have something, it's on there. Um, yeah, so. That's where you can find all my stuff. My Instagram is where I'm the most active if you want to see daily stuff from me. Yeah. If you ever want to find out what Ben and sometimes me looks like, mainly in the summer months where I think I showed up a bit, and <coughs> check us out there. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd at Like a Wolverine. Um, my main Instagram isn't that exciting, but I am currently considering right now the idea of starting an account for a canister of hundreds of puzzle pieces that I stole from the camp Ben and I work at at the end of the summer on, <laughs> under the pretense that I was going to show them the world. I'm like, it'd be really funny if I had like an Instagram account for them, like some people have pet Instagram accounts. So if I do that, I'm sure I'll plug it here. Um, but you can find the show on Twitter at past yeah at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can find us on Instagram, which I will eventually update again. It's my... Oh, sorry, I just thought... <coughs> so I feel in the 2005 episode, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to remember to update this before we went on hiatus. And then our hiatus came earlier, and I didn't. But yeah, eventually we'll be there on Pass the Golden Popcorn. Um, trying to remember what else i do for the pl plug section for us or the things you can yeah you can email us at past the golden popcorn at gmail.com yeah our show theme song is by matt samard slightly remixed by ben 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 is responsible for our artwork we are hosted on a site called friendly mush which has multiple podcasts including ethan's um and yeah all that's left is to talk about what's coming next week, because next week, doing something a little different, see? See, before we were a villainy podcast, we were a kissing podcast. <laughs> and in the time since we started Best Villain, um, there was a new MTV Movie Awards and a new thing of Best Kiss. And for a variety of reasons, from the 2007 guest kind of needing a bit more time for his episode, and also not wanting to do Best Kiss 2022 close to Best Villain 2022 because there is a significant overlap. <laughs> we are yeah, we are going to cover Best Kiss 2022 next week. So, the nominees for Best Kiss 2022 are Hunter Schaefer and Dominic Fike, Euphoria, Lily Collins and Lucian La Lavis Count, Emily in Paris. I can't believe we're going to have to watch another episode of Emily in Paris. Um, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, The Batman. Tom Holland and Zendaya, Spider-Man, No Way Home. And the winner, Poopies and the Snake from Jackass Forever. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> I'm really glad that you know what episodes Euphoria and Emily in Paris were because I did not want to have to comb through them. 
Um, you got to watch yeah. the whole show. I, I would have if I didn't already watch three seasons of The Boys. Like two, Sorry, two of those within like a couple days. Um, I was also literally talking about with my friend yesterday how like I think that the Batman is probably within my top five favorite movies that I'm never going to watch again. Um, and now I might have to watch it again or at least the kiss scene. And now you got to. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, Euphoria euphoria i have of course seen the fourth episode is uh very like it's going to be very funny for you to jump in on that one um but <laughs> yeah emily in paris i did ha- i did they it was a coin toss where i had an idea which one it was going to be because my understanding is it's a love interest who was kind of introduced in that season and it's a bit of a slow burn but i did look up the ceremony on ctv.ca to to kind of watch and confirm that's where the clip is from and that's where i learned some fun stuff we'll get into it next week but that's how i kind of figured it out um but yeah let's say it's definitely returned the form for best kiss from just an interesting winner to the weirdest like presenting thing you'd ever do and also the acceptance speech ben i'll have to send you that clip because it is also incredible all i'm saying is that these these five better be some damn good kisses because this is the free guy (laughs) year uh oh boy and he may want he may have won best comedic performance not sure about that but it had a damn good kiss Right, I do remember going, man, this seems like the one you could have given Free Guy for. Also, it was an opportunity to nominate Woody Harrelson for a fourth time for his kiss in Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Ethan, thanks for being on. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. Um. We're probably not going to be going on hiatus again for a little bit at least, give or take a final season, but I think we're going to bank a few up before we release them, so we should be fine. Um, but yeah, just, just remember, um, always take the high ground when you're in like a sword fight. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> Uh, yeah i'm like i have one at least this time it's gonna be clear it's gonna be concise concise. it's to the point yeah what a strong return (laughs) (laughs) look at us go uh goodbye everybody